Um, so when Cookie left us, that <laughs> that woman, <laughs> no, um, you know, it, it left a void. And so um, we've been going through, and then I asked Kelly, and I thank God for Linda, um, and then Jody comes back, and just these amazing people that God has blessed us with. And then JD back here, um, he he's a musician, and he saw that um, it was putting a lot of strain on me, so he said, hey, do you mind if I do a better job? And, um, <laughs> and so I said, yeah, sure. And um, so he came, and um, I thought, you know, with both of us up there, it would be too, too much handsomeness for you. Um, so just, just enough handsomeness um, from him. And, and then on um, Wednesday or Friday, I kind of just threw Kelly into leading it. And um, she does an amazing job. She is spirit-filled. And so, and then, yeah. And then I can't, and then Luis and, and Laura, they just are amazing women of God. And so I just, I praise God for the, the bringing us into the presence of the Lord. And so it's just, I just wanted to thank them. Um, now let's get into the word. So we're going to be, just to give you a heads up, we're going to be in Ephesians. We're going to be in Matthew. We're going to be in James. We're going to be all over the place. Um, the reason is, and I'll tell you this, every, every sermon series we do, there's always that one that goes longer. This is that one. Okay? And I, just to let you know, so I, you know, I've had a couple of comments. I speak for about 40 minutes. That's on average, okay? Just the fellowship that you guys have lasts 10 minutes. So if you want to get out of here earlier, one of us has to give. <laughs> you know, so, and that's why we provide tonight for the barbecue. So get your fellowship out that time this is for the word okay no i'm just kidding um but what we're going to be talking about is i don't know if you remember uh several years back is before the whole covid stuff um we had a, a government shutdown that lasted a pretty long time it felt like i i, I want to say a, like a week or two and um what happened was i thought it was funny because nothing changed like the government shut down and i felt like nothing changed like, my life never was impacted by it. But um, what I found was it was during the um, winter time, and down at the LTVA area, the long-term visitor area, um, the trash wasn't being picked up. And I just kept seeing pictures online of the trash going further and further, then it starts overflowing. And people were going, when is all this going to be fixed, right? And it was all because of the government shutdown. And I thought it was so interesting that, here we are, America, one of the greatest nations of the whole history of humanity. And when our government shuts down, we just complain about the trash buildup. Like, that has to tell you something about how much we don't need from our government, <laughs> you know. Um, and so, so I just thought it was interesting because... That, but that one thing caused chaos for a lot of people. That it was, it was so, man, when is this going to get picked up? What's going to happen? It, it didn't matter about anything else. It didn't matter about the politics or anything else. Just when is this one thing? And that one thing made people just go nuts. And I just thought that was such an interesting thing. But I realized that when we have those, those things that are just a little off from what they're supposed to be, it does send everything into chaos, right? 
toilet paper 2022 or 20, right? Like, like these ideas, like just all it takes is just one little thing, a misunderstanding or just, it could be anything, right? Have you ever had that when you're, when you're talking to someone and then you misunderstand something and now you're thinking this whole other thing. In fact, there's a, a, a meme, a picture with words, and it's this guy and his wife, and his wife, they're in bed, and the wife's laying this way, kind of looking this way, and the man's holding on to his pillow, and he's got this really serious look, and the caption is always, I bet he's thinking of other women. And the, the man's always like, I wonder, and this is one that I just saw, I wonder if the Israelites would have took the bread and coated the quail, they could have created the first chicken nuggets. You know, but it's like this just this miss like for her, she's in chaos trying to think. And for him, it's it's completely something different. Right. But it, it's just those little things can send us into these chaotic things where we don't know what's going on. We and then we just get off. We're just off into wherever. And so that's kind of what we're talking about is not understanding something and then bring chaos from that. All right. So. We're at the end of our four-week TikTok theology sermon series. And in this series, we're trying to understand how short-form videos are used to influence people to where they learn how to be these theologians that are only a minute or less. They only understand a minute or less of what's going on. And so I've encountered this a lot lately, where people, they take these minute or less, these short-form videos and then they, they think they know a whole lot about the, uh, an issue. And then it takes me 20 to 30 minutes to unravel all of that just to get back to what's actually real about that. And so we've been doing that. And the reason why is because we're supposed to, and we talked about this in the first week, we are supposed to break down arguments. That's one of the callings of us as believers. So in our first week, we talked about this idea of breaking down um, arguments so that we can give a defense of why we believe in Jesus. This is really important stuff, all right? Because what I have noticed um, in my own, when uh, before I became a pastor, when I would sit in church, um, I would notice that there would be two types of sermons. One was the type we're doing. It's called an equipping. But what I found was that a lot of times the sermons I would hear are gospel-centric sermons. Now, I believe you can have both. And I hope you'll see that today. But what I found is that as believers, we can get into this rut of hearing gospel-centric sermons. And what I mean by that is, here is the gospel. We're sinners. Jesus died. You need to accept him. That, when I say gospel-centric. The problem with that, if you'll never grow just with those types of sermons, because once you accept Jesus as your savior, you need to go, you need to start growing in your faith. But if every Sunday you hear you're a sinner, you need to accept Jesus. If, if that's all you're hearing, what, what kind of relationship with God are you going to have? It's going to be very, a, a baby style. And, and I've ran into Christians that they have to repent every single week. They have, to, they have to come to Christ every single week. And I don't mean repent in the sense of 
in the relationship with God that I am repenting of what I'm doing. I'm saying a full repentance of, Lord, I'm a sinner and I need salvation every single week. We need to be moving beyond that. And that's the purpose of these types of series is to help us grow, help us be equipped to sharing the gospel for doing what God has called. In fact, this whole sermon today is about that. All right? But that's where, we're, where we started this whole thing about. And we looked at a video about a, a person that said, hell does, there's no concept of hell in the Bible. Uh, there's no concept of eternal conscious torment in the Bible. And so what we did was, what I showed you, and what I'm trying to show you, is how I deal with those situations. Like, if I run into a person and that's what they say, this is how I do that. This is how I show them, okay, this is what you're saying. This is actually what's being said in the Bible. And so for the last three weeks, that's what we've been doing. So last week, we talked about the historicity of uh, Christianity, how our faith, so week two, our faith is historical. This is important. Our faith isn't just a fable or a set of stories to help us learn something moral or something like that. It's not um, Red Riding Hood, right? Red Riding Hood, the whole point of that is so that you don't talk to strangers, right? Or you don't go off on your own, or, you know, that Hansel and Gretel type stuff. That's not the scriptures. The scriptures are God engaging into human history and actually doing things. So God creates the universe. He creates all of space and time. And He creates all that is seen and unseen. That's a historical event. It happened. God floods the world. That's a historical flood. It happened. God calls the nation of Israel. It happened. So you see what I'm saying? It's historical. It happens in history. We can go back and go, okay, the Bible says there's Jericho. Let's go find it. And we can go find it. Right? We can say, um, so in Paul's writing, he talks about the specific governor at the specific time in Asia Minor. Okay, if that's true, we should be able to find it, right? And for years and years and years, they couldn't find it. And so they said, oh, Paul was making it up. Until not too long ago, they found his inscription. They said, oh, Paul was right. Historical moments, that's what the Scriptures talk about. And so Jesus historically came to earth. He historically walked. He historically died. He historically rose from the dead. Now, if that's all true, guess what? Christianity is true. That means it's the most important historical information you could ever learn and the, most, the greatest thing you could ever follow. If it's not true, if it's not historical, it doesn't matter, right? It's just one of another religion. That's why it's so important that we understand the historicity of Christianity, why we defend the historicity of Christianity. So when I'm talking about the Gospels, I'm not talking about some made-up story. I'm talking about a, a specific time in human history when the Lord came to earth. Does that make sense? All right. So week three, what we talked about last week was this idea that the small things lead to the big things. If you get the small things wrong, you'll get the big things wrong, right? And so we talked about Adam's rib and how this one individual, he said Adam's rib is a mistranslation 
And in fact, because it's the reason why it's a mistranslation is because the Bible's trying to subjugate women. So you said that, the small thing to the big thing, right? What we did was we went through and we dove deep, right? We spent a lot of time just looking at the word, looking at the context, looking at how it's translated. We went through all of that and we found, no, that word is a good translation. Rib is a good translation. And the reason why it's translated rib, the context shows us it's because men and women, it's not about a subjugation thing. It's about showing how men and women are both the image bearers of God. And that's a huge thing. Like that's monumental. Right? And so there's an equality there. Now there's differences. And um, I gave the example of this morning of you put a girl, a young girl and a young boy, and you put them out to play. The girl's going to grab that doll and she's going to pet it, you know, and comb its hair and say how pretty. And the boy's going to take that doll and he's going to slingshot it. Like, without really doing anything, there's differences. And that's great because equality doesn't mean exactness. We're complements to each other. And I gotta say, if, if we weren't, like, if me and my wife were not complements to each other, one of two things would have happened. One, my kids would be dead. <laughs> because they've fallen off of trees, they've fallen off of tons of things and i'm like rub dirt in it just go (laughs) right so they like i am not a compassionate person okay so if i didn't have the compliment of compassion my kids would have turned out i wouldn't have kids first off because that'd be that's not how biology works and that's not how society works anyways (laughs) let's not get to that point but you know what i'm saying let's move on okay so what we showed was once you got that that small thing right about the rib once you got that right you got the big thing right the equality in the image of god right like that stuff okay so that's what we're talking about and so we're working through this and i'm trying to show you this is how i work through things all right and when someone brings up this this is what i do i start and i'll especially if they bring up scripture what do we do they bring up a scripture. Let's read the scripture. Let's go right to it. Let's make sure we're on the same page. And so today, that's where we're going to start, right, is on the scripture. But first, let's talk about this video. So the video we're going to look at, in the past three weeks, we've been looking at individuals, okay, three different individuals and their thing. The group that we're actually looking at today is called the Hebrew Israelite Movement. And you might have heard them as the black Hebrew Israelites, Okay. Now, just to give you a little understanding about this, so this video comes from a street preaching series um, where they did a big video and they chopped it up into these minute segments. Okay, so they, we're looking at just one of those videos, and the belief system here is the idea that Black and Hispanic and Native American people are the true tribes of Israel. That those that call themselves Jews today are not actually Jews, but rather just a, a group that claimed that title. Okay? It's really these others. And so on this little graphic you can see up there, um, you might not be able to see it completely clear, but it, it separates these um, groups. So it says Judah, American blacks, Benjamin, West Indian blacks, Levi, Haitians, and it goes down and it separates these people groups into this 
And so race, skin color, plays a lot of a huge role in this um, teaching. Um, and then one of the teachings is that Christians and Jews are not the, the people that claim to be Jewish are not people of God, that both of them are wrong. All right. And you're going to see this just at the beginning of the video. And so that's who, as you watch the video, that's the worldview, that's the belief system that's behind it. All right. Now, we're not getting into all of that. That's a whole. There are people who are literally doing their whole studies, their whole life studies on these things. Rather, we're looking at, again, the short form videos that people learn TikTok theology through that then they spout. And it's really, I hope you understand this, it's not about what we're listening to. It's about the principles that we're doing and the way we're going about it that can help you. It doesn't matter what the video, it doesn't matter what the topic is. Does that make sense? These are just examples that we're using to walk through different things. Okay? All right. So let's watch that video and then we'll um, a lot of talk these about religious Christians, Jehovah's Witnesses, a lot of people teach all you need is faith. You don't got to worry about the commandments. You don't need to know law. That's not what the Bible says. And we're here to tell you the truth. You don't need no works. This is what they really believe. That's why the Messiah is going to say, Lord, in that day, many going to say to him, Lord, Lord, have you not done this in your name? Done that in your name? And then he's going to profess unto them, I never knew you. He's going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. He that work iniquity, you lawless ones. He's going to be shutting a lot of people away. Bring it out, Hoskins, chapter 2. This is the book of James, chapter 2. Chapter 2. Bring it out. Bring it out. For even so faith, if it have not works, is dead, being alone. So if you have faith without works, what's up, my brother? How you doing? If you have faith without works, it's dead. You need the works have faith alone. Go ahead. Yeah. A lot of these religious okay. Christians. Alright, so it just, again, it's one of the short form videos that just repeats. So, let's talk about what is being presented there. Right? The claim is this. Christians do not teach that faith without works is dead. I'm going to give you the, the quote. He says, a lot of re these religions, Christians, Jehovah's Witnesses, a lot of people teach all you need is faith. You don't have to worry about the commandments. You don't know, need to know the law. That's not what the Bible says. we here to tell you the truth. You don't need works. This is what they really believe. That's why the Messiah is going to say, in that day many will say, Lord, Lord, we have, not, um, have we not done this in your name, done that in your name? He's going to profess unto them, I never knew you. He's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, ye that work iniquity, you lawless ones. He's going to be sending a lot of people away. Okay, so they bring up two verses, right, in this. Matthew 7 and James 2. And so we're actually going to look at both of these, all right? We're going to start with James because Matthew, I don't know, have anyone ever seen the movie uh, Princess Bride? Okay, The Princess Bride. It's a, it's a fun little movie. Um, we just showed it to our, our kids. It's... It's a story about a grandfather telling a story to his grandson who is sick, and his grandson doesn't like it, uh, and then he loves it. It's a, it's a funny little video. Anyways, um, there's this guy in there. He's called the Sicilian, and every time something happens, he goes, inconceivable. And 
at one point, the swordsman of the story says, I don't think you're using that word the way it's meant to be used. Yeah, you don't know what that word means or something like that, right? And so um, I, w- when I listened to this, I, I thought that you're not using the, I don't think the Matthew verse is what you think it is. It's actually detrimental to your case. And I'm going to show that in a little bit. But we're going to start with James 2, 7, because the second gentleman actually quotes it. Now, he quotes it in the King James Version. Um, so we're going back and forth between the King James Version today and the ESV, the standard one we use here. Um, and the reason why is because I can do short verses in King James, but when I start reading long passages, I get tongue-tied. And so in the long passages, we're going to use ESV. Okay, that's, that's why. Um, if I was doing this with someone, I would only use the version they use because that doesn't bother me. In fact, I'd rather meet someone at that point and talk with them on that than try to be like, oh, well, you know, different translations and they're good. You know, and that's a whole different issue. So we're going to go back and forth. But in King James, James um, 2.17, this is what it reads. It says, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. All right. That is the King James. That's exactly what he quoted. So one of the things I, I'm a stickler on, we have to go with what the words say, right? So someone will quote something, and if it's not, if we're doing a study, I don't mind someone paraphrasing something, but if we're going to study it, we need to get it right. And so it's right, like the quote was right. That's really important because there are people that will just say, well, this is what it says. Okay, well, let's read it, right? Let's go back to the Bible, let's read. So that's where we're at. So we're, let's go to this. Let me ask you a question, Christian. Do you believe that faith without works is dead? Yes or no? I believe it. I believe that that's a true statement. Faith without works is dead. Why? Because James 2.17 says it. Right? We just read that. Even so, faith, if hath not works, is dead. I believe that. Why? Because that's what the scriptures say. So why is it the, the claim that Christians don't teach it? Well, at the, at the core here, the core issue that we're talking about is salvation. That's what we're actually talking about. What does faith and works have to do with each other? It's a salvation issue. So we need to understand what salvation is so we can understand this whole issue. How does faith without works work? Okay, let's talk about what salvation is. So salvation is an umbrella term. Like if I ask you what was salvation, most people say it's being saved. It is. It's more complicated than that. So if you think about it, let's talk about it's an umbrella term. All right? So you got this umbrella term and you're going to have this a part of this umbrella term. And we need to start understanding it as the scriptures understand it. Okay, we need a full biblical understanding. The way you can approach this is a lot of different ways. Some people, while sharing their faith, will use something called the Romans Road. Anyone ever heard that? Okay, Romans Road. You start in about Romans 3 and you end in Romans 10. And you use verses from Romans to connect this idea of what salvation is. I personally don't like that. The re- this is the reason why. Because now I'm flipping through the Bible and it can appear that I'm doing what's called proof texting. That's where I pick a verse 
And then I say, this is what that verse is. And then I pick another verse and I say, see this? And I always want to try to avoid that. So what I like to do is I like to go to one passage. And we just hang out in that passage and see the whole counsel of God in that passage when it comes to something like this. So I like Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, 1 through 22 is the whole passage. We're only going to look at the first 10 verses because it gives us everything we need to know about what we need to know for this particular topic. The rest of it is really important because it goes on to the church and the importance of the church in the believer's life. Okay, So homework, read the whole passage, the whole chapter. Okay, But let's talk about the first 10 verses. All right, so Ephesians chapter 2. We're going to go through this, and I'm, I'm going to stop as we go. Is that okay? Um, I really don't like doing that, but what I found earlier is I, we went over by about 20 minutes. So I'm trying to cut down time. All right? I know. That's why we give donuts, get, cover that hunger. All right? But here we go. And you were dead in, in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and, uh, and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Okay, let's just stop right there. Right? And I'm going to throw Debbie off. I did this to her early. I just want to stop right there. What's it talking about? Sin. It's talking about sin, right? Paul uses this language, trespasses, right? Diso- sons of disobedience, living for passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. Children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. This is Romans 3.23, for all have sinned, right? Sin is a major component of understanding salvation. I like to call them markers, Okay? So it's a mark of what salvation is. So you have to start. So here we go. We're going to do this like a timeline almost. We're going to start over here. And this is, you have to recognize that you sin. We all sin. Right? So Paul says this. He says, um, and, my, and we're by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. Everyone has sinned. Scripture says, Romans all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Okay? It's the same idea. So Romans row, same thing. So we all have sinned. You can't enter into salvation until you come to that recognition. Because what's the point of salvation? Fix sin, right? Like that's the point of it. So if there's nothing to fix, do you know you need a Savior? No. In fact, so I was having a conversation with someone this past week, a Christian, and they said, you know, Eve just made a mistake. Okay, so when we talk about mistakes, we mean things that don't really matter. Okay, so a mistake would be like, um, I don't know, I put on the wrong belt. Like I have black shoes, but I have a brown belt on. That's a mistake, right? Right? Yeah, or I took the wrong turn, but I got back on. Or I, my silverware, I put the fork in the wrong spot. Like, those are mistakes. Sin is a rebellion against the God of the universe. Okay? 
Sin is saying, God, yeah, you want to do that, but I want to do it my own way. I want to be my own God. I want to do my own thing. That's what sin is. God, you said that, I'm going to do the opposite. Why? Because I want my way. That's what truth, God says, I want you to speak truth. You know what? I'm going to lie because it helps me get my way. Yeah, it's easier. I want to do, I want to engage in it, right? That's what sin is. So if you don't recognize that you have sinned against the God of the universe, salvation will mean nothing to you. Does that make sense? So there has to be that organization. In when we when people are going through um, drug programs or they're trying to get off of alcohol or, or trying to get away from some sort of addiction, what's the one thing that they're always told to start this whole thing? You need to know you have a problem. That's what salvation. You need to know you have a problem. What's the problem? It's sin. That's what you need to know. All right, so that's, what, that's the first part here. You were dead in trespasses. That's where you were. So I recognize I've sinned. All right? So the next part of this, verse 10, but. Okay, so you're dead in sin, but. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. And this is really important. This phrase is going to be used twice. Okay? By grace, you have been saved. Okay? Remember that. By grace, you have been saved. And raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. Let's stop there. Who does the act of salvation? Us or God? 100% God. Okay? All of that. Great, by grace you have been saved. Right? While we were still in our trespasses, God raised us up. I didn't do, I recognized sin. I didn't do one thing to fix it. It was all done by God's work. How's that work? Through Jesus, right? It's all done by grace, through the grace that Jesus does. So Jesus leaves his throne. Jesus becomes a man. Jesus walks the perfect life that we were called to live, but don't because we sin. Jesus is killed on the cross. He is the sacrifice. Jesus is raised from the dead because the sacrifice was acceptable. And now Jesus decides... Who gets to come in? Right? It's all God. Did I do anything in that? No, I wasn't even alive. But I was alive to do my own sin. So all I've done in this process so far is sinned and recognize I sinned. And then God provided the way. But listen to verse 8. For by grace you have been saved. Remember that verse? By grace you have been saved through... This is huge. Faith is, we've talked about this, the Greek word is pistios, it means trust, it means believe, it means faith, it means to look at something and say, I trust what that says. And so it's grace that we say, I trust what God says. So what does God say? I'm a sinner. 
I have to trust that. The recognition is, I agree with God. He said it, I believe it. He said, there's only one way to come. John 14, um, 14, 6. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. I trust that. So I can't go to a different way. Jesus says, there's only one way, it's through me. The only way I can get to salvation is by the cross of Christ and his resurrection. So now, what, what have, what's going on? I recognize God has done everything, and the way I receive that is by going, you're right, God. I'm a sinner, and I can't do anything to get it. You did everything for me. And then what happens? I receive grace. So Paul talks about this in Romans. This is Romans 5. He says this. This is the, the technical terminology, okay? This, is, this, this part that we're talking about is called justification. So in Romans 5.1, it says this. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So when I trust Jesus as my Savior, I'm now justified. That means that sin is gone as far as God's concerned. It might still want to hold on to me, and I might want to hold on to it, but as far as God's concerned, He's dealt with it. And so now where I'm at, I am in the grace of God. I didn't get here on my own. I didn't get here doing anything. All I did was accept it, and that's why it's called the gift. In fact, we continue on verse 9. Or we continue to finish verse 8. It says, it is the gift of God. It's your Christmas present. You didn't do anything to earn it. You earned coal. Right? That's what we earn from sin. God says, you know what? Not only am I not going to give you coal, that's mercy. I'm going to give you a Lamborghini. That's grace. Giving you something you don't deserve, nor you could ever get it on your own. You get the Lamborghini. The Lamborghini, this is salvation. And so now, what have I done? Thank you. I've accepted it. That's it. Then verse 9. Notice, this is the first time one word gets brought up. Not a result of works. First time Paul uses this word works. So that no one may boast. So you know what? I'm a, I'm a Christian. I didn't do any of it. God did everything. I can't boast in my work at all. Because even now, I love how Jeff, he had said this years ago, Pastor Jeff, he had said this years ago, if you knew what I was really like in here, you would never want to listen to another sermon. Because here, I'm not good. The only reason, if you ever see anything good from me, it's because God has done it. Left to my own devices, I am horrible. In fact, this is why Paul says, I am the worst of sinners. The things I want to do, I don't do. The things I do do, I don't want to you know. It's this idea of, I'm not the good person that I should be. I'm only, if I'm ever good, it's because that's God in me. 
And so this is huge stuff so that no one may boast. It's, there's no work. So how much work have we done to get to the point of salvation? Zero. But listen to it right after he says this. For we are his workmanship. Whose workmanship? God's. Why? Because he worked on us to get us here, right? He's the one that got us here. Which God prepared, or sorry, created in Christ Jesus for good works. There it is. Good works. So we were created for good works. So now that we've gone from being sinners to being saved by grace, now we can actually fulfill our purpose, which is good works. Do you realize that God created Adam and Eve for good? He creates every human for good, and they choose sin. This is why when we talk about hell, what sends you to hell? It's sin, nothing else. It's not that you accepted Jesus or not. It's you're a sinner. We're sinners. That's why we go to hell. You know what gets us out? God. The acceptance of Jesus as Savior. By His mercy we're saved. By His grace we are saved. Not because of anything we've done. Okay? But, now that we're in this position, we're creating Christ Jesus for good works, works which God prepared beforehand beforehand before when before we accepted he had already prepared he already said you know what i got a plan for your life and if you come to accept my gift i'm going to work out good and he says um, that we should walk in them so so let's take this to the the whole thing here's the markings of salvation Recognition of sin, accepting God's work through grace, God works in and through us producing good works. That's what's called salvation. Now, here you go. What's interesting about this, let's let's go back to that God's work through grace. When did that start? This is the thing. We tend as believers to go, it started with Jesus. It didn't. Hebrews 11, 20 times it says this. By faith, they did this. By faith, they did this. Everything that God does is by faith. He calls us into faith. So even the covenant he made with Israel was done on faith. You had to trust God. Remember, that faith word means trusting in God. This is why throughout the Old Testament he says, remember, remember, remember. Because trust in the Bible is looking at evidence that has happened before and say, I trust that, so I'm going to trust what you're doing now. So by faith, people come to salvation. So by faith, they're counted righteous. And then it shows that they're doing God's work, that they have the faith by doing the righteous work. So when... Abraham, he comes up and God says, go sacrifice Isaac on that hill. By faith, he takes Isaac up there with the rope and the the wood and sets the altar. By faith, he gets him up onto the altar. By faith, he raises the knife. 
and by faith he's going down and it's the angel of the Lord who stops and says we got something else for you and then that work is righteousness because God says you know what you trust in me it's righteous and so this whole thing of what how does God bring people into salvation it's always been by faith the difference is we have the whole realization of the whole plan we're on this side of the cross and everything leading up to the cross is people looking forward to what God's going to do. We are now looking back and said, that's what God did. The fullness of salvation now is for everyone that would trust in Jesus as their savior. And we know the full story now. The only thing we're waiting on is the return. That's what we're waiting on now. So it's, I trust that Jesus did this and I trust he's going to return as he said he would. We're still living by faith. In fact, everything as we go into salvation, it's all done in faith. It's all done in trust. Trust is the key. In fact, you can boil every single sin down to a trust issue. So, God, I don't know if you've ever been in this situation. You've been telling a lie so long that if you stop telling the lie that things could all fall apart. And God says, trust me, tell the truth. What if I don't? I'm not trusting you. Right? This, this is it. It's a trust issue. And so everything comes down to a trust issue. All right. So I got 1 Corinthians for you. Right? It's somewhere in there. 1 Corinthians. Listen to how this. This is now. Okay, so are we, are we good so far? Recognition of sin, didn't do anything to deserve it, we trust. Now we get into the final thing, which is the works thing. God prepared works for us, good works for us to walk in. Okay, This is where a lot of times we stop. And this is actually what the Hebrew Israelites are talking about. They're talking about this point. So if we just stop and say, all you need is the faith, that's what they're talking about. That's why in James it says, faith without works is dead. And we'll get to James. Okay? But here we go. The full story. The works part. Okay? Listen to what Paul says to the, as he opens his letter to the Corinthian church. He says, unto the church of God which is at Corinth, to them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints with all that every, with all that in every place, call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So here we are. This thing, the technical term where we're at now, is called sanctification. So we're in this process of sanctification. What that means is God is bringing us into good works closer to the image of Christ. And over time, He, He, we are discarding the power of sin in our lives which has no power if we just trust in Christ we would never sin would never have an issue with us again if we were 100% trusting in Christ at all the times sin would never have a power over us but we don't and so the holy spirit's working on us to bring us closer and closer into that person that God already saw us to be that he created us to be we call this sanctification God is sanctifying us in Ephesians 5 talks about how Christ sanctifies His church by the washing with the Word. 
So if we're not in the Word, our sanctification is going to be extremely stifled. We're going to be extremely stifled because what am I supposed to do, Lord? Right? Well, this is where James comes in. So let's back up for a second. If Let's not talk about sanctification. What if we only talked about the first two? What if you came into church every single Sunday and that's all you heard? Where do you think you'd be in your faith? We'd be in the same spot. There'd be no reason. It'd be, oh, I got to confess. I got to come back. I come back. My salvation. I need another salvation experience. I need this. And it's always back in that point. There's no moving forward. And this is where James comes in. This is where James comes in. James is the one that says, let's move. Get going. James is that mother um, bird that says, it's time to get kicked out of the nest. That's what James is. James assumes the first part. He assumes you're already there. He's talking to believers. James isn't writing to non-believers. He's saying, you already got that. Let's talk about the sanctification part. And so when we get to James, this is what we read. All right. So now, finally, we get to James. And we're going to put it into his um, in, into its context. So we back up and we go like this. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. That's the grace. Okay, so he's already st- this this section starts off with you already are there. That's what we're talking about. You're already in that position. So let's talk about that. He says, for judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith, but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless. Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active along with his works, and faith was the completed was completed by his works. James is trying to get us to the next level. What he's saying is, okay, you got faith, that's great. You got belief. Remember, faith, trust, belief. It's the same word. Okay, you know who has that? Demons. He's saying just, you cannot stay in that position thinking, I just need to have this um, intellectual understanding of who God is. It needs to be, and the way that, this is how I talk about it as a preaching in sermons. It has to go from here to here to here. I got to understand it, I got to experience it, and I got to put it into practice. So, James is saying, okay, so if you have a brother or sister who doesn't have clothes, who's hungry, who, who's cold, and you have your faith, 
what good is it if you tell them, see ya, go do your own thing, you'll be good, bless you. Yeah, you're not having the heart of God. You're relying on this idea that, oh, I just, I just have to sign the paper and I'm good. It's like, no, God has good works for you. He has things for you. Is that going to save you? No. But it's an outgrowth of salvation. It's a part of it. So when we talk about, is it faith or is it works? We're missing the biblical understanding. It's faith as works come. Okay, not and works. So I want to make sure we were clear on this. I just want, no, I want to make sure that it's faith alone saves, right? But works comes out of faith. Okay, it comes out. I just want to make the difference between and and through. Yeah, it's all through God's grace. And in fact, as we read through the scriptures, it's not even us who are doing the work. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God who's doing the work through us. Okay, so I want to make this as clear as possible. We're not talking about, hey, you have faith, but then you have to do a bunch to keep that faith. No, 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 no. It's you have faith, you trust in God for salvation, for his justification, and now you're trusting him to now work through you. That means obedience. That means, okay, I trust, right? Jesus says this. God gave me the strength to do that. That's what it is. I am going to submit to the Lord as he told me to. And so that's what we're talking about. So now my brother's in trouble. I want to help him. Why? Because Christ has done so much for me. And he calls me to love my brother. So I want to love my brother. I want to help. I want to do the things. Now, I might not be doing every, you know, my brother comes over and he's like, hey, I need a new house. Let's look. <laughs> you know, I can find you a job. I can help find you a job. And then you can save money. I can help you learn how to save money. And then that can lead to a house. I can't buy you a house. But I can help. Yeah, I can help. I can, I can clothe. I can help. I can babysit when your kids need, you know, you need to go work that 12-hour shift and you have no one. I can do that. It's God work in me to bring glory to you and to help my brothers and sisters. That's what we're talking about. We're not, and this is, this is where James and Paul are perfect. Remember we were talking about the compliments? They're not equal. I'll tell you right now, Paul and James are not equal intellectually. Paul is a giant intellectually. But James is saying, Paul's got it right. But don't stay. And Paul would agree. That's the thing. Paul agrees with that. The, the good works that God intended for you. And James is saying, let's go. Let's do it. He's the guy that's saying, let's, let's not just say we have faith. Let's actually show we have faith. And by our work, we're going to show everyone that we have faith. And so that's where we're at. So now that we have all that, see how long this is? Now that we have all that, now we can talk about Matthew. Like we had to go through all of that to make sure we had a good, solid understanding of what salvation is. It's justification and sanctification. Now there's a whole ification that we're not even talking about, okay? 
and that's when you die. All right, so we don't need to worry about that yet. Okay? But that's what we're... All that just is the introduction. So let's talk about Matthew. Okay? He brings up Matthew. So Matthew... Um, and we're putting it into its context better. Remember, we talked about what context is, right? Context is the 30 verses around it. Yeah, and context is king. And this is why it's so important. Listen how the, the Jesus is actually talking about here. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of the Father who is in heaven, on that day many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Let's take this apart real quick. You have... At the very beginning, you have works, right? You'll know them by their fruit. That's a work language. At the end, you have a work language, right? He says, um, everyone who then hears these words of mine and does them, that's work language. Notice what's right in the center, though, between these two things. It's many people will come to me on that day and say, Lord, Lord, did, it, did we not prophesy? Do we not cast out demons? That's work too. But notice what Jesus says to them. I never knew you. Let's put this into our salvation understanding. No is that justification. That's where it starts. I never knew you. You never came to me. You never trusted in me. You did the work that you thought I wanted to earn that salvation. No. I wanted to know you. And out of that comes the good fruit. Out of that comes putting my words into practice. But if you don't know Jesus, that's when He sends you away. That's the heart of God where it breaks God's heart to have to say these things. But it's the reality. If we don't recognize sin and accept that salvation gift we are not known by God and that is the heartbreak of the father yet if we know Jesus we know him as savior we produce the good fruits we put his word into practice that's the sanctification part and so you have in this thing, he's thinking, this, this gentleman who's talking on the video, he's thinking, you need the works. But Jesus is saying, it's not, you need to have the know because the works lead you into lawlessness. This is why in Isaiah, so in Isaiah 64, we get this idea. Isaiah 64, um, the Lord's speaking, he says, but... We are, um, Isaiah speaking, says, but we are all as unclean thing, as an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are, all our righteousness are like this, polluted garments. I don't know, okay, so most translations have it as dirty rags. I don't know how far you want to go to understanding this um, passage, 
Do you want to know the, the idea behind it? Do you? Are you ready? It's minstrel rags. That's what it's talking about. That's what it's saying. All of our, the best things that we can do are polluted garments. That's the best we can do without God. And yet, when we accept Jesus as Savior, by the free gift of grace, we enter into His righteousness. That means the, the deeds now are done through the Holy Spirit and now are counted righteous by God. Why? Because it's not us. It's the Lord who does it. So this is why I always tell people, if I do something good, that's the Lord. If I do something bad, that's me. Because the Lord only does good. But Jeremiah, he does bad. So when I speak, like if I'm in a sermon and I speak something and it's at the expense of my wife, that's Jeremiah. And Jeremiah's going to get hit. <laughs> Not a lot of grace. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> going to get hit now. But you know, you see what we're talking about? That's what salvation is. It's grace you are, by, you are saved, not because of your works, yet God has prepared good works for you. And so it's the justification, it's the sanctification, and when it's all said and done, then you get what's called glorification. And that's where you see as God sees you. That's probably going to happen when you die, or when the Lord comes back. One of two ways. It's the only way that last one happens. All right? So, let's take it to the end. All right? Let's finish this off. I just heard an amen. No, I'm just kidding. Um, all right, so yeah. So, polluted garments, we all fade like, and it, it keeps on a leaf, our iniquities, um, and our, we can finish that off, or like the wind, take, take us away. All right, so let's go to this last one. All right? So, biblical understanding of salvation. This is the biblical understanding. All right? All of that now. We first trust in Jesus as Savior who died for our sins, and then the Holy Spirit brings us into obedience and produces His good works through us. That is salvation. Don't stop at the, you accepted Jesus as your Savior. Because that's only a part of it. Salvation is the whole thing justification, sanctification, and eventually glorification. So we're not even at the end of it. We're just starting. Like, put that into perspective. I'm just starting on this great journey with my God. And I might be on this for 50 years, and yet I'm just starting. This is why I always say, God. so if God is an eternal God, as the Bible says, how long will it take us to learn about God? Eternity. We're just starting. We're just beginning on that journey. That's how great it is. So here's the challenge for you this week. Okay? First, if you have not accepted Jesus as your Savior, this is the gospel. God created us to be with Him. Our sins separate us from Him. We need to recognize that, that we can't fix that. Sins cannot be removed by our good deeds. Okay? But Jesus paid the price for sin. He said, I'm going to take your sin upon myself. And he had no sin. And he said, I'm going to take it. And I'm going to die the, the death that you deserve 
But I'm going to spare you from that eternal death. But we need to accept it. So if we accept it, then we move into salvation. We are justified. And now we live the rest of our lives as the Holy Spirit works to bring us into sanctification. And that eternal life that we're looking forward to, in fact, I think we're going to sing about it, it started the moment you accepted Jesus as Savior. That's why we can sing songs like when, when we all get to heaven. Yeah, you can come on up. When we all get to heaven, all fly away, like those great gospel songs. We can sing that because I'm already on the cusp of eternity. And so that's the first thing. If you haven't accepted Jesus as your Savior, you have to start there. But believer, here's the second part for the believer. God has good works for you. Start walking in them. And when you say, but I don't have the strength, good. I, I can't stand it when in the, mod, this is, okay, this is a pet peeve of mine. I'm sorry. Here's our little rabbit. We got to chase this little rabbit. I get so tired of people saying, what is your strength? And then as if we should use our strength to do whatever God calls us to. God calls us to weakness. In my weakness, he is strong. And so if you say, but I can't, you're in the perfect position for God to do. You can't. God can. So, God, I can't love my, my neighbor. You're going to have to love him through me. Because I want to kick the dog. <laughs> right? I don't want... I'm at the stoplight. This guy's taking forever. We've been here. That guy didn't turn left. And now I have to wait another 10 minutes. Lord, change my attitude. Maybe they're going through a horrible situation. I don't know. Lord, change my attitude. In our weakness, that's when he's strong. In our weakness, that's when we realize, oh yeah, that's why I needed salvation. Because I can't do it. So Lord, I continue to trust. I continue to trust. Show me. So believer, trust this week. In the areas that you don't want to, that's where you need to. All right? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you because you're good. You're gracious because of you. We have Jesus. Jesus, I thank you because you are our Lord and Savior. You're our Savior, so Lord, make us, make us subject to your Lordship. Holy Spirit, we thank you. We praise you as well because you are moving. You are pointing us back to the Son who points us back to the Father who releases you to do what he has called us to do. And so, Lord, I just praise you and I thank you for all of it. Because without any of it, we are completely lost. And it's not, we can't do it on our own. And we're not boasting when we say we have the Savior. We are saying, without you, we have nothing. But with you, we have everything. So I pray for my brothers and sisters this week that you would grab a hold of them move so mightily with the Holy Spirit that the people in their parks, the people that they're surrounding, that are surrounding them right now are going to just have a mind-blowing experience of how in the world is this person so different 
and they can respond with because of Jesus. So Father, I praise you and I thank you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.